Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I, I, I have had, and I admit, I've had a hard time getting myself excited, getting worked up for the season. It was much easier last year when you were, you were anticipating a very good football team that, you know, 10 wins was not outside the realm of possibility, and it was a possibility for them even going into the bowl game um, that they did not play well in. And this year, it's just not the same. This year, we're just not expecting double-digit wins from this football team. I have said I would be pretty surprised if it's more than four wins. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. Michael Preston. That is me. That is what it sounds like to actually eat crow on a podcast or to put your foot in your own mouth. In a podcast. That is what that sounds like. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour bi-week edition. It is a little shorter show because it's a bi-week. And this is more work than even the team's doing this week. So I would point that out that you're lucky you're getting this. Because originally I wasn't going to do it. But I felt good enough about the win on Saturday that I decided to. And because my Tuesday really opened up in terms of stuff to do. Uh, Jeff News are going to join us in a little bit. We're going to talk more about the season and how it's gone. Because certainly our expectations were much lower Uh, than what has happened so far for the Cougs in 2018. And then that's it. We'll end with the Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything. So that's that's a great party. Get a nice little short show, take you through to the bye week and get you to the bye weekend uh, when you can enjoy a weekend of college football watching with no stress. Isn't it nice? Um, I I think the first thing I want to talk about is right after that game on Saturday, you know, I didn't feel great in terms of how it went uh, because Oregon State was moving the football a lot of third and fourth down conversions given up by the defense a lot of blitzes on those downs that didn't get home and if you're going to blitz they need to get home a secondary that was getting burned pretty badly by a set of receivers that while good is certainly nowhere near the top of the conference and a quarterback that's okay and you know Jamar Jefferson is an excellent running back probably with Bryce Love hurt or whatever his you know injury issue is right now probably in the top two running backs in the conference certainly uh easy to put him in there uh but it was still frustrating and then I forgot that this team put up 56 points on Oregon State and they did exactly what they should do against an Oregon State defense that is probably the worst in the conference And they went out and they did what they were supposed to do. And then thought more about it. And when you consider that Jonathan Smith had to completely open up the playbook. I mean, it had to be thrown wide open to get the Beavs even kind of competitive in this game. A reverse that Taylor Comfort almost had in the backfield. A gadget kickoff play with a player laying laying down in the end zone or whatever and throwing across the field. To get him further upfield, a lot of go, you know, a lot of attempts on fourth down. I think I said on Twitter in the middle of the game, if the Beavs are in plus territory, if they're on the other side of the fifty, they're going for it on fourth down the whole game, because you're playing a team at this point with absolutely nothing to lose, just trying to do whatever they can to win a football game. And they viewed Washington State as a win, you know, as a game that they might be able to jump up and win. And I, yeah, I've looked at their schedule the rest of the way, but that probably is a home game that you would consider, you know, their last real opportunity to win a game. Because, you know, it's it's just, it's 
one of your easier home games. And honestly, looking at their schedule the rest of the way, that was really pretty much it. Now that I have it pulled up. Versus California in two weeks. There's the end of your winnable games for Oregon State. At Colorado, against USC, at Stanford, at Washington versus Oregon. So yeah. That, I mean, that was, you know, it's the next two. For, it's that, the previous one, and this one coming up for them. That's it. So, that was really it. So, no, I understand. I get it. And I understand why. But, thinking more about it, and that the playbook had to be opened that wide for them to lose by 19. And as we'll discuss with Jeff here, really 26 because... All the backups were on the field at the end. I mean, Oregon State did have their backups too. So, But, you know, it was 19 points. Um, but, you know, three touchdowns at the very least they lost by. All of that had to happen. And it all had to go right. And it did largely all go right um, for them to finish still down. And for them to not cover. Put it that way. And Washington State, every possession they had outside of the kneel down in the second half, they scored a touchdown. That offense did exactly what it's supposed to do in the second half. Scored a touchdown on every drive. Against that defense, they should do that. And that's not unreasonable for them. And I think it was something it was like five or six straight drives they scored a touchdown on. Just it's what they should do against that defense. But you know, th- this show partially for me is we are halfway through the season, six games in, and this football team's five and one. And this is the meat eating crow. I'm not gonna do the sports host. I'm happy to be wrong. Oh my god, I'm so pleased to be wrong. No, I was wrong. I was flat out wrong about this football team. Clearly. I was clearly wrong. I think things have largely gone right for them. And they certainly have not played the more difficult part of their schedule to this point. The next six games are definitely the more difficult six games. But if you had to go back... Before the season, and I told you you could take five and one through these six games, or you could roll the dice, you'd probably take five and one. You would take it. And with a very realistic shot to beat USC, they had a very real chance of doing that. There were things other than the refereeing that went wrong in that that prevented them from doing that. So I was wrong. And that's that. Not gonna say I was happy. To, well, I mean, I, I am happy to be wrong, but I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna play it off that way. I was wrong. I thought they would win four games. They have already gotten past that halfway through the season. Wrong, Michael. <laughs> if you don't want to listen to the podcast anymore, I won't blame you. But I think we still have a very good show. Uh, so th- this is, you know, I I think as we've discussed before, if this is the floor during rebuilding years, that's great. I am still worried about next year. You have to replace Gardner Minshew. You're going to have to replace offensive linemen again. You're going to have to replace defensive linemen again. You're going to have to replace Peyton Pelour. And that is worrying. How much talent is there in the secondary as well. But at least we know. You know, again, all that assistant coaching turnover. All that turnover on the roster. And this is the floor. That is encouraging. That is a good thing. That this team is now in that position. And it probably speaks to the recruiting quality 
of Mike Leach. I, I am not pleased with him still in big games. They seem to lose those at a clip that is maddening in terms of the Apple Cup and bowl games. But in other ways, this is it is, it is much better. <laughs> Things have gotten a lot better. And you're now to that point where you start seeing the recruiting built up. And seven years on now in the seventh season with Mike Leach, it, it is, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how next year is going to go. I clearly had no idea how this year was going to go. But five wins, bare minimum, five wins. You, they could lose the next six games. I don't think that's going to happen, but they could lose the next six games. Five is the bare minimum that has happened now. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing to have as the floor. We'll talk more about it with Jeff Neuster. I told you it's going to be a short show. You only give me for eight minutes at the beginning, and half of it's just me eating crow. Dr. Jeff next here on the Cube Center app. Here on the Coog Center Hour, and we are now joined by the extremely long and athletic Jeff Neuser, our managing editor at Coog <laughs> Center. What? I'm not. It's true, though, right? He's you're long and athletic, uh, right? It, I mean, I do have probably unusually long arms for a man my size, but you know. Yeah, that's that's all. I, I can definitely guard the wing. Yeah, good. Something. Good. And, and, and you're going to go to a junior, you're going to quit your job. You're going to go to a junior college yeah. and you still have some eligibility left. So we're going to, we're going to yeah. get you over to Wazoo and we'll get you on the basketball team. I, I do know this. I can hit an open three pointer. Okay. We'll see. That. Okay. So you're better the than, YMCA, you're better. The people who play at the YMCA know that. You're better than Patrick Simon off the bench cold then. Uh, okay. So <laughs> I think, but you're going to, you were thinking about writing something about the basketball team this week, right? Like you were contemplating it at least just based <laughs> off of, because. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. writing it. We won't we won't tease it too much, but we'll let you we'll let you do that. So, um, I got this season viciously wrong. Uh, I I don't think you mind my saying it. you did too. A lot of us I got this too. season very wrong. Uh, how the hell did they do this? Well, you know, I think uh, the obvious answer is Gardner Minshew. Yes, I mean that's you know that's number one. Um. I mean, there was so much uncertainty at quarterback that had a lot to do with, you know, kind of what we talked about. I mean, just trying to remember back to, you know, our preseason conversation between you and I on the podcast where we were just kind of like, you know, well, what, you know, what's, what's with the pessimism or whatever. And a lot of it for me personally was just like, man, these guys have, I mean, not only have they lost a ton of talent, you know, we talked about, you know, losing, you know, parts of their offensive line. So there was a lot of uncertainty there, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback was going to be someone um, who had never started a game at Washington State, had never even played in a game at Washington State. Um, you know, the defense was going to be replacing pretty much the entire defensive line 
more or less, or at least the, the two most important pieces for, yeah. for sure. Um, and, and, you know, and frankly, we, we didn't know, we just didn't know how all of that was going to shake out. And, you know, to be honest, it, it obviously has worked out better than either one of us thought it could. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know what I mean? We did talk, I mean, look, you know, to our credit, you know, we spent some time <laughs> on that podcast talking about, okay, if, if it goes right, you know, this is probably how it could happen. I mean, six wins doesn't seem, you know, just completely over the moon, unrealistic, like it was mm-hmm. in the Paul Wolf years. It's like, you know, this needs to go right. This needs to go right. This is, well, so far, I mean, I, I think pretty much everything we thought needed to go right is has All gone right. right. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I kind of talked about this at in the intro or in the opening a little bit, where th- this this these first six games we are we are obviously at the halfway point right now, and it's great that WSU gets their bye week finally in the middle of the season, so you can kind of take care of some of those nagging injuries and hopefully Namdi Aguayo is healthy enough uh, to come back in a cup, you know, in a week and a half. But it's, you know, it's kind of unusual to get, be able to get a good barometer right in the middle of the season, right halfway home, you're at five wins. But that first half of the schedule was certainly the easier part because three of your next four games are against teams that are, even if Stanford doesn't deserve it, they are ranked. Uh, Three of your next four games are against ranked teams, so it certainly does get harder from here on out, but it's not like this team, from what we've seen from them the first six weeks of the season, again, can't jump up and get one or two of those, possibly, especially because two of them are at home. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any reason to think that, you know, suddenly we're in for, you know... Or excuse me, one's at home, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, drop off the diving board. I mean, I don't, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's a tough stretch, no doubt. Um, Oregon's really potent on offense, and, and they are, other than Washington, they are legitimately um, the one team on the schedule that really scares me simply because, um, you know, I think that their offense is, is just really scary for what we do. Yeah. Um, and so I think this could be a, you know, a 50-45 kind of game or whatever. Um, you know, they don't play great defense either, but, you know, it's it's going to be a situation where the offense is probably going to have to keep up, and, and that might be really tough. So um, so there's, you know, there's there's that's, that's a tough one. But Stanford, I mean, I think we know two things. Number one, I think we know Stanford's probably not as good as we anticipated heading into the year. And then I think we know, number two, that Mike Leach's teams tend to play really well against Stanford. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, a scheme thing or what, but um, – you know, typically they're right there with Stanford, maybe even when they're not expected to be. And this obviously isn't even that kind of a season. Uh, you know, Cal coming home. You know, Cal's not a team that um, obviously scares the pants off you anymore. No. They were ranked, and, and uh, I think that was kind of proved proven to be uh, kind of silly. And then Colorado, you know, and, and I just think we still don't really know how good they are. Um, I know that people have kind of said that about, you know, WSU to some degree, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody thinks, you know, playing Colorado, you're not chalking that up as an automatic L. So at any rate, it's, you know, I mean, all of these things, yeah, it's a tough stretch, um, yeah. you know, the teams that you're playing. But I, I don't think there's any reason to think that this team is, you know, ready to fall off a cliff or is, is somehow like Cal was, you know, secret garbage or something. I think, yeah. you know, you know, if they, uh, I think. You know, if we're, if we're talking expectations over the next four, I think, you know, if they go two and two, I think you're feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get three wins, that's, I think, pretty spectacular yeah. out of that, out of that, uh, out of that next group of four. 
I talked about this again a little bit in the open, but uh, you know, looking back on that game on Saturday against Oregon State, I, I felt a little better having about twelve out, you know, twelve or twenty four hours removed from it because you know, yeah, at the time it's very frustrating to see Oregon State move the ball that easily against Washington State. We kind of knew their offense was definitely the much better unit on that team, but it was still frustrating. But then thinking back on it, you kind of look at it and go, okay, Jonathan Smith had to throw the playbook wide open, including some gadget plays that are high variance, and he really took a lot of chances on fourth down. They had to convert those fourth downs, which was very frustrating uh, for Wazoo fans, I know, but they still had to do that. They had to do a lot of things that you wouldn't conventionally do to lose by 19 points. And right. that, I, you know, I think that made me feel a little bit better, including getting lucky on a punt that Jalen Thompson, I have no idea to, to, you know, days later what Jalen Thompson was thinking trying to field that. But they, they had to do a lot to just get to within three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they in reality, their offense scored 30 points. Right. Yeah. I mean, the last seven were, um, you know, WSU played the last two drives with basically third, second and third stringers. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, the first string offense or first string defense isn't really that great anyway. So now you're putting in their backups and, and that was kind of a mess. And so, um, you know, I mean, they, they threw everything they had at them and got, you know, four touchdowns and a field goal. I mean, that's, you know. That but does make you feel a little better, and and then I think the other part is you know you drop fifty six points on them. I mean it's yeah. you know this is this is sort of if if you look back to um, the vast majority of Mike Leach's career, this is a Mike Leach team. Like we're going to score points, we're going to score lots of points, and we're going to play just enough defense to to win some games. You know, and there are going to be games where the margin's going to be close. Um, but you know, but there will probably be points scored. That Utah game, I think, is you know the kind of kind of an aberration. You know, I think I think you're just going to see a lot of games where WSU is scoring 40 plus points, yeah. and the defense is giving up 30 to 40 points, and yeah. you know whatever. So uh, you know, it is what it is. It's it's exciting. It, this is probably the kind of stuff all those Texas Tech fans were trying to warn us about. You know, seven years ago <laughs> yeah. when we hired their coach. <laughs> And they were letting us know. They, they came all over Kook Center to tell us, you know, buckle up. You know, and get it's ready. Still, it's still the every once in a while. take you on a wild ride. I think my favorite thing is it's still every once in a while still. It's just like, yeah, we know. Thank you. I know. <laughs> yes, we know. He's been our yes. coach for seven years. Yes. Seventh season uh, now. So, yeah. I mean, that's – but I think that's what we got. You know, and, and I think um, it just kind of is what it is. And, you know, getting some reinforcements on the defensive line would help. Um, I think Aguayo would help. Uh, I, but, I, you know – I, I don't see the defense dramatically changing. Yeah. There's just not – Aguayo is, I guess, the one guy who's coming back. But, you know, it sounds like Derek Moore is is, is done, more or less. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just I, – I don't think any miracles are coming on defense. So I, I think your best hope is, you know, play well enough um, to allow the offense to score five or six touchdowns and, and – you know, that's good enough to win. I yeah. mean, you know, look, a point scored is the same as a point saved. And, you know, last year we kind of, we found out the opposite of that, right? A point saved is as good as a point scored. So, yeah. um, you know, as long as we're doing one or the other at a high level, then, you know, we're going to win a bunch of games. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. We're only one win from a bowl. So it's pretty awesome. Well, we'd be no wins from a bowl if the Pac-12 didn't have their heads so far up there, bud. But that's another conversation yeah, entirely. Well, yeah. uh, I, I do want to touch on kind of one miracle on the defense. I think one during the offseason we didn't, 
you know, really think of as going to be this really important thing going forward. And that was Peyton Pelour getting another year of eligibility. I thought it would just be kind of nice to have him around to help, you know, teach some of the younger guys and to be here and to be a serviceable, serviceable linebacker. But as it's turned out, he's the best player on that defense. And it's probably a really great thing that he got that year of eligibility because it has seemed to me so far, Jahan Woods has been good and the other linebackers have been you know, at, at worst serviceable and at best very good. Uh, but having him back has been a gigantic boon for this defense, it seems. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, he's been the best player on the defense. He's He's been far better than I anticipated, and that's that's probably more on me than on him. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I wrote this last week that, you know, I never really thought of him as a great player. I thought of him as a nice you know, college linebacker. Um, yeah. And, you know, and that probably, um, like I said, said more about me than him. You know, it was just sort of me, the, the you know, the lay person looking at the defense and seeing, you know, Hercules bought off and doing what he does and, you know, just watching, you know, you know, Robert Barber, you know, wreck people and Equale wreck people and, and just sort of like, okay, you know, Frankie Louvu wrecking people. I mean, just a lot of focus on the line, right? And so, you know, Pelour ends up looking like, you know, kind of a solid guy. Lots of tackles for loss for the defensive line. Mean linebackers don't make as many tackles. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You know, and so this year shows up and all of a sudden now you got a defensive line that's, you know, not as good. They're not making a whole bunch of tackles for loss. Um, and yet they're successful in maybe funneling a lot of those running plays to Pelour and he's just, you know, killing people. Yeah. He's as sure of a tackler as there is on the team. Um, that's been one of sort of the tougher things about the defense this year is they haven't been great at tackling. Um, and that's been, that's been a bit of a frustration, but Palour has been the exception to that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it'd be scary to think of where this defense would be without him. Um, just the fact that, you know, he's just, he's so strong. He's not the fastest guy in the world. We all know that, but, uh, but he's got a good nose for the ball and, and he hits people. And, and when he, when he hits running backs, he wraps them up. They don't, you know, they don't uh, fall forward for yeah. three more yards like they do against maybe some of our other uh, players in the back seven. So yeah, he, he's been awesome. He's been awesome and deserves, you know, every bit of praise that's gone his way so far this season. I think you mentioned, you know, if you can get two of the next four games, you're probably going to be pretty encouraged about this football team. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's one, honestly, that hasn't done a lot of losing at home uh, in the last few years. In fact, including this season and last season, they haven't lost at home uh, since the Apple Cup in 2016. Uh, Just looking forward, because we are at the halfway pole uh, right now, and again, like we mentioned earlier, the harder part of their schedule uh, coming up in these final six games, certainly there are four ranked teams on the schedule and two other teams that aren't ranked that are still, you know, Cal probably not what they were at the beginning of the year, but still pretty decent in Arizona. Apparently Khalil Tate's not running the football, which is the stupidest thing in the world to me, but... uh, if you had to look at these last six games, would you consider three and three probably a pretty good barometer of, you know, if they, if they go three and three over these last six games, you're probably pretty happy with that. Yeah. Three and three would be great. Um, if they get somehow get four, I mean, that's like over the moon kind oh, yeah. of stuff, right. To get nine wins. Um, but yeah, three and three. I don't know if three and three is the expectation, at least for sure. me. You know, I mean, there are probably other people who think, you know, yeah, three and three minimum. Um, you know, I think that's going to be hard. 
you know that 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 says okay you got to beat cal you got to beat arizona and then you got to get um either oregon or washington or at home or stanford or colorado on the road um you know and i don't know if it's reasonable to expect that they would lose all those games but Mm -hmm. at the same time i mean those are four tough games you know you're playing again oregon might be i mean we'll find out this weekend how good oregon actually is i think when they play washington um but you know i mean i think there's a reasonable chance they might be the best team in the in the in the in the north um you know regardless of what happened against stanford that was that was a crazy fluke right yeah um so you know oregon might be the best team stanford's beatable but again you're you're going down there you're playing them down there um you know again colorado probably beatable i think i, I don't think they're as good as it shows yeah. as they've shown but again you're you're traveling you're going to Folsom field we know what happened last time you know, they were there, um, you know, and then Washington's Washington, right? So it, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, if they can get three, I'm happy. Uh, if they can get four, I'm like over the moon. If they get two, I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's about, I mean, yeah. it's uh, unless uh, I guess I suppose it would depend to some degree the manner in which these things happen. I mean, we think back yeah. to last year, right? Like they won eight games in the regular season, but we look at those four losses and they were all all of them, like the worst possible way that you could lose that game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, obviously, the manner in which they happen also has a bit of our, also has a bit of influence over how we emotionally um, judge, you know, the season. But, um, you know, if they win two and you know the other ones are competitive and you know they just sort of it just show, sort of shows that maybe they're not quite in that class yet. You know, I think I think it's like I think it's okay if they can get three. I'm like, man, eight wins, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think I said, you know, before, you know, before we got into all of this is, you know, was our, a couple of podcasts ago, it was just, you know, if, the, if this is the floor from now on, if this is a rebuild, then I'm right. very happy. If I'm, I'm very, very happy with that. The longest and most athletic segment we've ever done. Thank you to Jeff Neusser <laughs> for doing it. Thank you, big guy. Thanks, Michael. Head of the week time again. Our thanks to Jeff Neusser for taking time out of his busy day, molding young minds to join us here on the Cook Center Hour. Uh, Dunder Head of the Week. This one's a little personal. Uh, I have to call out one of my co-executive producers. Uh, as you do well know, uh, as you do well know, I English good. As you well know. <laughs> My wife and I have two cats who we adore because they are wonderful and they are cute and they love to snuggle. Uh, but they are loud because they are Siamese and because they like to talk about nothing in particular. They just like to meow and let you know they are there. 
I am, as you may know, getting into a new job. The hours at my old job, which I'm working for the rest of this week, have stunk, so I'm trying to adjust my sleep schedule as I continue to do the old job. But what doesn't help me with that process is when my male executive producer, Uller, decides that at 5.30 in the morning, a really good thing to do would be to climb on the headboard of the bed and jump down onto my stomach. And then to act surprised and to swipe at me when I sit up and yell at him. He is here right now. Do you have anything to say for yourself? I don't know if you can hear the burring. This is the worst segment of podcasting anybody's ever done. But, Uller, you're the dunderhead of the week. How do you feel? First time in his life he's not talking. <laughs> Ask Michael anything time. Ask moi anything at double BS 13. Where should I eat breakfast on Orcas Island? Bi-week travel plans. I'm going to go with the suggestion from Michael Rose. McRose 14, because I've never been to Orcas Island, confidentially. Uh, Island Skillet in East Sound. Yes, that sounds great. At Patrick Cornwell, P. Cornwell 09. What is your preferred natural disaster you'd like to see in Eugene this weekend? Uh, I don't know, maybe like some hail. Just like makes it uncomfortable to play. Ooh, and everybody has to play with wet socks. That's what I want. Yeah, that's what I would roll with. Just wet socks. At the Craig Powers, deviled Craig Powers. I know I finally get that. It's a plan, deviled egg, deviled... Okay, good one. Are you excited for your next career move so you can attend weekday four-goal Sounders matches like Sammy and I? And he's got a picture of him. He went to the Sounders game, and my wife and I have season tickets. She got to go last night, and I didn't, and he got to sit with her. Man. Miss, it was a good game. Scored four goals, too. Dang it. At J Possum, or at Possum J 16 Jason... What game is on your college football bucket list? Uh, the game, for one thing. Uh, and uh, honestly, I would love to go to the Egg Bowl. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then just anything in Baton Rouge. Literally anything there. And actually, maybe the D3 National Championship. That might be kind of fun, too, I think. Uh, at WCCougar08, Rick, what's your favorite go-to after a night of drinking on campus? Munchies or Tin Tan Tacos? Secret third answer, Pita Pit. Uh, and it's so good. I love it. I had it last week. It was just the perfect accoutrement to a very lo- I, I, wow. I sounded hoity-toity saying that. Uh, at WSU Brady twenty-seven Brady favorite WSU uniform, current or throwback? Oh man, I, I'll, I admit it. I liked the all grays. The last uniform set they had. The only time they wore it was against Stanford in like twenty eleven, and I liked it. I liked the all gray uniforms. I admit it. At Fraternal Cloud, Jesse, why do you think the secondary has gotten significantly worse this year? I mean, attrition, and I think they lost their good coach, and you don't have the defensive line up front to negate some of the issues of the secondaries. If you can't get pressure up front, the secondary is going to get exposed. And yet Hercules Madoff and Daniel Aquale last year in a very good line, so it was just negated some of those problems. At Coog Buddy John, best way to prepare a brisket without a smoker. You know, honestly, I've never cooked brisket before. I've, I'm always a more of a pork shoulder guy, and I do that in, like, a crock pot. 
And I make a really good crock-pot pork shoulder, by the way, if anybody's ever wondering and you want the recipe. It is delicious if I say so myself. Uh, so, a crock-pot? That'd be the way to go. Or in the oven, I suppose you could do it in there, couldn't you? At Nick Beattie, 72 Nick, your Pac-12 power ranking. Uh, everyone in the North, except for Oregon State, and then everyone in the South, and then Oregon State at the bottom. <laughs> so just five teams in the North, then the South, and then Oregon State all the way at the bottom. At Jason M144, Jason, can we skip basketball season? Yeah, I wouldn't have an objection. Uh, by week zero, Washington State 60? I'm going to Vegas. Who cares? We'll talk to you next week on the Coop Center Hour.